Hey everyone, Remediation this week is chapter 15, where we talk about all the shit that happens that's not what Mendel said. So, sex linked and flies and all that fun shit. So sit back and Welcome to Biology for Bastards, teaching biology in the most profane way you've ever seen or heard. I'm your host, John Doty. Thanks for listening. We're back at it for another easy-ass week. We're talking chromosomal bases of inheritance. It's chapter 15 in the AP Biology curriculum. This is going to be a short and sweet one, which is fucking awesome after the day I've had. Just lecture the whole fucking time. But I got my coffee, and we're ready to go. So jumping right in, fruit flies. We know a lot of this chromosomal stuff based on the fruit fly, Drosophila melangaster. Um, lots of work has been done with Drosophila, mainly because super fast breeding, easy to take care of. They're fucking everywhere. And they have eight chromosomes. That's it, compared to humans, 46. Um, so really easy. And we're going to start off today talking about sex-linked genes. Because we talked about Mendel and his shit last week. That's all the autosomes and everything. So we're going to talk about the sex chromosomes now. Um, and really, all a sex-linked gene is, is just any gene found on a sex chromosome. So found on the X or the Y. Um, now... The X and the Y, those are our sex chromosomes, human sex chromosomes, fruit flies have it. There's a bunch of different types um, that determine sex. There's the XO system, like some grasshoppers and stuff, where if you have two copies of it, you are female. If you have one sex chromosome, you're a male. There's a ZW system found in birds. It's kind of like the XY, where um, with us, two Xs equals female, X and Y equals male. Um, birds, it's opposite. If you're the, what is it, homogametic, that's so if you have two Zs, you're male. And if you are ZW, you're female. And then in like bees and shit, you've got um, the haplodiploid system that if you're diploid, you're one. And if you're haploid, you're the other. So female bees are diploid, male bees are haploid. But a sex-linked gene is any gene found on a sex chromosome. So for us, it's X and Y. Um, when you have, when you're talking about these X-linked genes, X-linked specifically, um, you get them passed from mother to son, and from mother to daughter, and father to daughter. So parents pass it to daughters always, and mothers will pass them to sons, but fathers will never pass the sons because the fathers have to pass on the Y chromosome. Um, males will have the trait if they have the recessive allele. So it only takes one copy of the recessive for a guy to show a sex-linked recessive trait, but females can be carriers because it's recessive, so if they just have one affected copy, they're still good. They still have a dominant copy of the working 
whatever the fuck. Um, but guys, we're fucking screwed. We get one copy and we are done. Especially some diseases where it's like dunzo done. Others it's just like you can't see green, which would fucking suck. But whatever. I can see green. Um, now, kind of because there are two X chromosomes in females, we get this process known as X inactivation or X chromosome inactivation and the formation of bar bodies. And bar bodies are what's responsible for like calico cats. If you've ever seen a calico cat, odds are it's a female. You can make a bet that a calico cat is female. You would win pretty much every time. Um, super rare exceptions, like f super fucking, like you would win your money a thousand times over before you would find a boy calico. But um, what it does by inactivating one of the X chromosomes, you're regulating the dosage of different gene products. Because guys, we get by with one X chromosome. We get the required things. We need a X chromosome. We have to have one to be alive. But females, because they have two, they don't want to be have an overdosage of some of those products. So they inactivate some of them. And going back to the cat, the coat for fur, or not the coat for fur color, the gene for fur coat color is found on the X chromosome. So they can be black or they can be orange. So with a calico cat, the black patches of fur where the orange gene has been inactivated on that chromosome, that whole chromosome has been inactivated, and then places where the fur is orange, the chromosome that had the black has been inactivated and turned into a bar body. So a calico cat is heterozygous for black and orange, and the pattern is going to be unique to each cat. Now, um, we do, as humans, the Y chromosome, those are all passed from father to son, father to son. And it has all the stuff required for the formation of testes and gonad differentiation and all that stuff, sex determining, all that stuff for guys. Pretty much the only thing found on Y chromosomes are for male sex determination. X chromosome has stuff necessary for life. Let's see. Moving on a little bit, we have different sorts of genetic recombination going on, and this is leading to discussion of linked genes. So if you have offspring that end up looking like both parents, we call those parental types, or look like either parent. That's a parental type. Um, but if the child looks different from both parents, they're called recombinants. We've talked about those um, in the last episode when we were talking about pedigrees, I said find the weird-ass kid different from both parents. That's kind of a recombinant. Um, but we're talking bigger picture with multiple genes going on. It's not necessarily just the one like we're tracking in a pedigree. And moving on to our linked genes. We talked about independent assortment last week as well where we said genes... Um, the chromosomes with different genes on them will segregate independently during gamete formation. So the gene for being green or yellow has absolutely nothing to do with the gene for being tall or short. So we should expect this like 9 to 3 to 3 to 1 ratio. 
if we're looking at those two genes, we should have nine out of the, or you know, the ratio, where nine out of 16 are double dominant if we're crossing two heterozygotes together, that is. So if we're crossing two heterozygotes, we should have nine that are double dominant. We should have three that are dominant from one recessive for the other. We should have three that are the flip-flop, recessive for the first and dominant for the second. And then lowly one out of 16 that is homozygous recessive for both. If they don't follow this, it's said that the genes are probably linked, which means they're on the same chromosome and probably close together. And the further away from the ratio, the closer on the chromosome they probably are. And it has to do with crossing over, which we talked about with our meiosis episode, where during meiosis one, the homologous chromosomes pair up and exchange some of their information that's crossing over. And the closer two genes are on the same chromosome, the less likely that the split in crossing over is gonna separate those two genes. So if they're really far apart on the same chromosome, crossing over should happen, so you should see the expected ratio. As you get closer and closer, the odds of the crossing over event happening between those two genes becomes smaller and smaller, so they tend to be inherited together. So you see a lot of like blonde hair, blue eyes, or red hair and freckles. Those tend to be linked because they tend to be close together on the same chromosomes. And there's a way to calculate the recombination frequency, how linked things are, uh, and it's just how many recombinants, so again, how many non-parental ones there are over the total number of offspring. That gives you a recombination frequency, so it's pretty straightforward there. And that can be used to make a linkage map or a gene map. <clears throat> and that's um, based on the percentage of crossover events we're basically trying to map out the location of genes on a chromosome, where one map unit is equal to 1% recombination frequency. So it's all about relative distances on the chromosomes. So it's not an absolute thing where it's absolutely on this part of the chromosome. It's just relative compared to all the other genes. Where the fuck is everything? And if you have a 50% recombination, that's going to tell you that you're far apart on the same chromosome we're on two different chromosomes. So that's as far as you get. Okay, you can't get like a 100% recombination because that would be, yeah, you just can't. That's fucking impossible. So 50% is as much as you get. Um, now this brings us to some exceptions to Mendelian inheritance. So Mendelian inheritance, again, that's things that follow Mendel's principles. There's some weird shit that goes on um, like genomic imprinting, and this is kind of epigenetics um, is where we're getting into that. Um, epigenetics is inheritance based on things that are occurring like in your lifetime, and like methylation is a big part of epigenetics where your DNA can become methylated or the histone patterns can change, histones being the stuff that DNA is wrapped around and it changes how the DNA is expressed. So it's stuff picked up on during an organism's life that can affect its children or its grandchildren and everything. Epigenetics is kind of a big um, field that's kind of blowing up here recently. So it's super fucking interesting. 
Um, it's not too big of a deal as far as the AP curriculum goes right now, but that's going to change in the future. I would put money on it. Um, but until then, we're just going to keep saying that there's ways that what parent you inherit the gene from can affect what condition you have. So if you get it from mom, you might be fine. If you get it from dad, you might have something that has to do with methylation patterns, histone patterns, all that sort of shit. And you have other types of DNA that are non-nuclear, it's called. So it's not found in the nucleus. Typically, we're talking um, chloroplast and mitochondria. So we have mitochondrial diseases that are passed from mother to children found um, in the egg because the sperm is lazy as fuck and it just brings information to the party so the egg has to bring every everything else it's got to bring all of the cell parts and all that shit that's necessary um, so there's some diseases that get passed just from mothers to children so there's a whole shit ton of genetic test things um, I'm not going to really talk about it I'll talk about two real quick um, amniocentesis I always mispronounce these um, and chorionic villus sampling okay, those are the big two I'm going to talk about there's a whole bunch of other th ways to do things um, there's newborn screening there's pre-implantation testing where um, before you actually implant it you can test the em embryos and all that stuff there's predictive testing where you kind of do the pedigree shit and see how likely you are to pass something there's a whole way whole sort of ways to kind of check these genetic disorders um, but the two I'm going to focus on are kind of during pregnancy how do you test them so they're kind of two of the more time-tested ones so the amniocentesis okay, is where you actually extract some amniotic fluid and you culture it to get a karyotype and a karyotype is just kind of an image of all the chromosomes present in an, in an individual. And then the chorionic villa sampling is where you sample some of the placenta with fetal cells to get the karyotype. So it's the same idea. You're getting some of the embryo's cells and you're checking for things like non-disjunction which non-disjunction is, well, junction is the coming together of things, disjunction is the separating of things, non-disjunction is the failure, failure to separate. So it's when chromosomes fail to separate during meiosis one or meiosis two, it can happen either way. But either way, either time it happens, is it results in gametes that have an abnormal number of chromosomes. They can either have too few or too many and it can lead to trisomies which is when you have three copies of a chromosome instead of the normal two and the most famous trisomy is trisomy 21 which is down syndrome so all the characteristics associated with down syndrome are caused by having an extra chromosome 21 and that's it um, then there's other ones like Turner syndrome where you have a female that has 45 chromosomes they just have one X chromosome so they're missing the second X um, 
they have to be female because they only have an X chromosome. Guys cannot be Turner individuals. Then there's Klinefelter syndrome where you have an extra sex chromosome. You're either 47XYY or 47XXY. Um, I'm not entirely sure off the top of my head if it's still Klinefelter if it's a female with three X chromosomes. Um, I don't know. Usually you talk about Klinefelter males, so I don't know. And I'm strong enough to be able to admit that I don't know. And non-disjunction is technically a mutation, or it's a, yeah, we can say it's a mutation. Um, but you can have other types of chromosomal mutations where you're dealing with chunks of the chromosome and not the entire chromosome doing something weird. Like you can have a deletion where a chunk of a chromosome gets removed. That's super straightforward. You can have a duplication, which you can figure the fuck out. You duplicate part of the chromosome. Then there's inversion, which part of the chromosome gets flipped around. And then there's translocation, which is always an interesting one. It's where part of one chromosome um, breaks off and inserts itself into a non-homologous chromosome. So it's not crossing over, but it's as though crossing over happened with two non-homologous chromosomes. So that's, that's super weird. And stuff like that, and non-disjunction in particular, can lead to... Um, weird types of ploidy. You can be monoploid or monosomy, monosomy, monosomy. I don't know how to actually pronounce that one because um, it's super rare where you just have one copy of a chromosome. It's really um, only when you have the Turner syndrome where you've got the one X chromosome. Typically, if you are missing chromosomes, you just don't exist. Um, but trisomy is pretty common. That's where you have three copies of a chromosome. Or you can be entirely polyploid, where instead of being diploid, you could be triploid or tetraploid. Um, that's really weird in animals, but it's super common in plants. Like, I don't know, like strawberries are like fucking octoploid or something. Um, but that's the end of this one. That brings it, I told you it was going to be short and sweet. Um, the next couple are going to be kind of short and sweet um, just because it's pretty straightforward stuff. So with that, I do need to give a shout out to the Bastard of the Week, Elise. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, Non-bio major in college listening to this. to make sure she knows what the fuck is going on. Um, gave a shout out to us on Twitter and she had a test that hopefully she passed. And if she did, I'm taking all the credit. So you're welcome, Elise. Um, if you want to be like Elise, you can follow us on Twitter at bio for bastards. Um, I usually try to reach out and talk to people who talk to me and tell your friends, get people listening. Um, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, all that shit. Apparently we're one of the first ones that, that pops up when you search biology on Spotify. So that's pretty fucking cool. Um, that's what somebody told me today. I don't know if that's actually fucking true. I find that very hard to believe, but I'll take it. Um, so that being said, um, our intro and outro music is Feeling Good by Purple Planet Music. And until next time, thanks for listening.
So you may have just heard an ad, but I can't end with an ad. So just wanted to say, follow us on Twitter at Bio4Bastards. Um, our intro and outro music is Feeling Good by Purple Planet Music. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, tell everybody you know about it. And again, thanks for listening.